got a short title for this sermon. Don't look back in anger, look back in appreciation. I told you it was short. But don't look back in anger, but look back in appreciation. You know, in Genesis 19, um, quite early on in the Bible, uh, we had uh, Lot's wife. Now, Lot's wife um, with Lot was escaping from Sodom and Gomorrah. They were told to flee because God was going to destroy those cities. Now, if there's any children amongst us, this is quite a brutal story, so I don't know if you remember it or not, but does anybody remember what Lot's wife was told not to do? Anyone? Well, don't look back. She was told not to look back, but she did, didn't she? And what happened to her when she turned back? When she looked back? She turned into a pillar of salt. Yes, she did. It did not end well. But I wonder why, having been told, don't look back. Whatever you do, don't look back. Why she looked back? You know, perhaps it was curiosity. You know, what, what is going on back there? It sounds pretty rough, what's going on. Perhaps it was sadness. Perhaps there were people that she'd left behind. Perhaps it was regret at how things had turned out in Sodom and Gomorrah. And perhaps she looked back in anger. Perhaps she looked back at how things might have been. And why did people still continue to behave that way? Perhaps she looked back in anger. And that's a, a tentative link for me to, to talk about a song um, called Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis in 1995. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, Don't Look Back in Anger. Now this song, the lyrics, if you look at the lyrics, they're kind of, they're something and nothing. They don't really tell you a great deal. It's just northerners rambling to, sorry, sorry, <laughs> to music. I love Oasis. Don't, I, I love them. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it doesn't really say a great deal. So, so when they asked Noel Gallagher, what, did it, um, what, does it, what does this song really mean? He said, it's clearly, obviously, he says, it's clearly about a woman of a certain age who is looking back on her life and thinking, I am who I am. And that's it, Gallagher said. And she's kind of raising a toast to it. When you get to our age, it's all about acceptance anyway. Accepting who you are and what you've become and what you've been and how you've got there. And that's how I see it. I thought that was quite sad. It just sounds like somebody settling for life. That's just the way it is. I am who I am. I'm the product of my circumstances, who I grew up with, the school I went to, the job I've done. This is it. This is me, and there's, there's not a lot else. I want to ask you this afternoon, are you settling for life? Are you settling for where you are? Is this it? This is all there is from now until that day. That's all there's going to be. I just want you to think about that, about what is to come. And I'm going to read to us from Philippians chapter 3. Uh, verses 4 to 14. This is Paul, uh, one of his letters to the, to the Philippians. Um, and I want to look at three stages he talks about, about the Christian life. So if you brought your Bibles with you, and you use them for the second time today, obviously, uh, Philippians chapter 3. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, In regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. After righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul was perfect. He was the perfect Jew, the perfect Pharisee, but he's not looking back on it that way. He's looking back on these as personal achievements. It's more to do with him than it was with God. And he goes on to say, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage or or horse dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith 
in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now in that, that passage, I believe, Paul is talking about three very basic stages of the Christian life. In verses 4 to 6, this first part, he talks about where I was, his achievements, what he did before he met Christ. And the second part, between verses 7 and 11, he talks about where I am. This is currently where I am. I know Christ, and I'm, I'm excited about it. And, and what went before, I'm not interested in. I'm interested in what comes next. And then he says, but where I want to be is Christ. I want to be with Christ. I want to be like Christ. And what's more, I'm going to press on. Twice he says, I'm going to press on to take hold of that for which Christ has called me heavenward. And I'm going to press on towards the prize. I'm going to press on towards the goal, to what is coming my way. And I'll ask you this afternoon, what did Christ take hold of you for? What did he take hold of you for? When you became a Christian, what do you think is next? What did he take hold of you for? What is he calling you to do? Perhaps you already know this this afternoon and it's niggling you and you want to do something about it. But what is it that Christ took hold of you for? Paul in this passage looks back and he's, he's able to recognize both his faults, what he was like before, and what Christ has done in his life. In 2 Corinthians 5, it talks, we use this in the baptism classes, it talks about the old that is gone and the new that has come. And Paul is able to say, you know, well, that's who I was, that's how I was, that was the old me and it's gone and I don't want it anymore and the new has come. But it doesn't stop there, there's, there's more. Yet for some of us, it can be dangerous if we look back. You know, sometimes when we look back, we might see old desires. We might see old habits that can become familiar. Sometimes we look back and we see failures. We see hurts. Even successes that, that can sometimes make us think that actually, yeah, we were quite good and we did do quite well all on our own. When we look back, it can be troublesome. In Isaiah 43, when God is telling Isaiah about the Israelites and reminding them all they have done, all that, sorry, all that God has done for them, he then says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And he was talking there about the coming of Christ. I've done so many good things for you, but you wait. Just you wait. The best is yet to come. So there is tension here, isn't there? We've got Paul looking back. He actually looks back, but then says, I don't want to look back. God that says, look at all these wonderful things I've done for you. Just think what I've done for you, but don't look back. So there's a tension here. Do we look back or not? Are we supposed to look back or not? But I'm going to say yes to you this afternoon. Yes and no. Yes, we do look back, but it's, it's all about how we look back. It's about how we look back at what has gone before. Now, I've asked, I've asked Dave to come and share uh, very briefly, but that's what he shared on Sunday morning. Um, what's become, is becoming a tradition, we did the Christmas uh, present kind of talk on Sunday. Uh, was it Sunday? 
yeah, last Sunday morning. And um, we picked presents out of a sack. And Dave had these wonderful glasses, which hopefully are going to appear on the screen. If you weren't there, you really missed a treat. That's what Dave looked like. <laughs> and we had a little giggle too. But then Dave said something that I really, really liked. So could you share with that, us with that again, Dave? Yeah, I was hoided by uh, the pastor's wife with those specs. I was saying, is, how are you viewing the world? How, what, what glasses are you wearing? How are you seeing things? Are you looking in faith or are you looking in unbelief? And since then, I thought of, I mean, some people have rose-colored glasses, don't they? But then I thought of the 12 spies that went out into spy out the land. Uh, Ten of them were wearing the glasses of unbelief and two of them were wearing the glasses of faith. They said, yes, the, the difficulties are there, but our God will see us through. We're going to be victorious because God is with us. They had their faith glasses on, whereas the others had their unbelief glasses on. So it's, which glasses are you wearing today? <laughs> Is that it? That is, that is. That's brilliant. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, give Dave a hand. Thank you very much. It just struck with me. See, Dave's much more eloquent than I. It says your glasses of faith. I call them God goggles. Um, you might remember that better. I don't know. But, but yeah, Dave says, you know, the glasses of faith or the glasses of unbelief. So when you look back on your life, what ones are you using? Are you looking back at the unbelief? Are you looking back with faith? Are you looking back at what was good or are you looking at back but what was not so good. Well, I'm going to um, have a, a quick demonstration, and these guys are going to stay with me fast. So we've got three volunteers that only found out this afternoon, so please give them a hand as they, uh, as they come up. They're going to need some uh, encouragement. So if you can come up on the stage, guys, so people can see you, but in a while I'll, uh, I'll let you sit down like gnomes on the end of the, uh, as the, end of the stage. So um, I've got to think which way around this goes now. Um, right, who's, oh, Ellie, if you come this end, if you can hold this one, don't turn it around just yet. Okay, and then you go to the middle. Uh, nope, that's not you. All right, that's you. Okay, and then Joe, if you can take that, and that'd be great. Thank you. So if you go to that far end, Joe, for now, you stay in the middle there, Jude, and Ellie, if you go slightly to the left there, that'd be, that'd be great. So there was, um, I better come to the front now. There was um, a guy in our community group, still comes to church in and out, called Barry Gregg. Um, and at our community group, he often used to sum up what we were talking about by saying this. He would say, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. And he got that from someone called Richard Bunt, who many of you will remember him, who was a great man. And he used to say that a lot. He'd say, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. So I want you, I want you to turn these around now, one at a time. So Ellie, is, this is where I was. So this, this is where you used to be. Up until the point where you met Christ, this, this is where I was. And Jude here is, is where I am. So that's where you are today. And Joe has got, is that where I want to be? Okay, if you think this is what Paul was saying in his passage. Paul was looking back and saying, this is where I was. I was proud of the things that I had achieved before I met Christ. And he was talking from a place of where I am. I now know Christ and I'm excited by that, but I know that there's more to come. And this is where I want to be. So when we talk about these, these God glasses, these faith glasses, when we look back... I just want you to think about this, because if you look back, perhaps you're feeling a little bit despondent today. Sometimes that happens when we go into a, a new year. You think, oh, here we go again. What, what's coming my way? You look back sometimes at, at what you thought was good, what wasn't, what's to come, and the fear of that. 
But I just want to encourage all of us today that we're here today. This is, this is where we are today. But when you look back, that's where I was. So I'm not where I want to be, but I thank God I'm not where I was. Now, whether you've been a Christian all your life, whether you've been married 57 years, whether you've been a Christian for a couple of weeks, you're not where you were. Because the moment Jesus stepped into your life, the moment you invited him into your life, you're no longer where you were. You are now somewhere else. You are now where you are because he's continually at work in you. And whether it's been two weeks or 20 years or 60 years, you can always look back to where you were because you're not where you were. You're where you are today because of the faithfulness and the goodness of God and his work in you. And that work continues. And you may not be where you want to be, but we're looking at it. We're getting there. And this is what Paul was saying he was pressing on to be. So you're, you're Jesus today, Joe. And you think, which Christmas has been, everybody fights to be merry, but you get to be Jesus today. That's quite impressive, isn't it? So you remember that. You've got the beard. That's good. That's good. In fact, you guys can, if you just want to sit down, if you're happy doing that, just sit down on the front of the stage so people can still see you because I, I will refer to you uh, from time to time. Okay, so it's easy to look back and be despondent, which is why we need to be careful. But they said, if, like Dave said, if we look at things with faith glasses, we start to see things differently. We don't see them in our, de- our human, um, pessimistic ways. We see them through the eyes of God, and it changes our perspective. I want you to think about who's ever seen the, the CSI shows on TV, the CSI Miami, CSI Las Vegas, CSI New York, any other American city you can throw in and, and get a spin-off for. CSI Crime Scene Investigation. And what they used to do, or still do, they, they still do it today. It's a real thing. Is they'll go to crime scenes, and, and they try and work out who did it? Who did it? Who was it? What did they do? And, and what did they use? They're looking for fingerprints. They're looking for footprints. They're looking for DNA. They're looking for things, evidence, that will tell them when and where this person came in and what it was that they did. Now, I want you to think about where are the fingerprints of faith? Where are the footprints of God's mercy? Where's the DNA of God in your life? If you look back, where has he been? Where can you point to and think God was there? Quite often it's around a time of suffering. Quite often it's around a time of joy, but God was there. Can you remember that? I was talking to Jean before the service. I wanted to make sure I could say this, but those of you that know Dave and Jean and know the family, know that Esther, a few weeks back, had a cardiac arrest. Now, one thing we can be certain of, if she'd have had that cardiac arrest at home down in Cornwall, before she came to the concert, she wouldn't have made it. If she'd have had that cardiac arrest somewhere between the concert and getting home, she wouldn't have made it, and she wouldn't be here today. But it just so happened, by luck, of course, that a paramedic was walking past just as Esther had this cardiac arrest. It's almost as if someone said, Esther's going to go today, she's going to die today. And God looked up in his book of life and said, no, it's not today. That's not happening today. And he made sure that it didn't happen. So he had that arrest in front of the one person that could have intervened immediately and save her life. Esther's going to look back at that moment and think there were the fingerprints of God. There were the footprints of mercy. There was the DNA of God all over my life. His hand was on my life. That may not be that extreme, but I guarantee every one of us that knows God has got a moment we can look back to. Because if you can't think of anything, think back to your salvation. The joy of your salvation. When God rescued you from where you were going and put you on a different path. So that now you are not where you were. You may not be where you want to be, but you're certainly not where you were.
This is what Paul was saying in our passage in Philippians. I'm not where I want to be, but praise God. Because of Jesus and knowing him, that road to Damascus experience changed his life. I'm not where I was. I'm no longer in the darkness. I'm no longer trying to kill people. I'm no longer trying to destroy the church. I'm now trying to spread the church. I'm now trying to build God's church. I'm now trying to spread the gospel. And he said, I will press on twice. He said, I will press on for what is ahead. He wasn't happy settling. He could have done and think, what a bad man I was. And God has saved me. Hallelujah. I'm now going to heaven. He could have sat there and thought, that's it. He could have settled, but he didn't. He says, I'm going to press on for what is ahead. Now, I'm, I'm sure that as well as some of us who recognize that we've settled, perhaps, you might be here thinking, maybe I have. Maybe I have settled. Maybe things are comfortable and I like it that way. But just as there are some of us like that, there may be some of us who just don't want to press on for different reasons. We're where we are, but I don't know if I want to press on to that where I want to be. I'm quite happy where I am, but there may be different reasons. It might be fear of the unknown. It might be anxiety of what is to come. It might be because of the memories of the past. It might be bad experiences. It could be loss, the pain of loss. It could be physical pain. It could be doubt. There may may be many reasons. I don't feel like pressing on. I don't feel like doing anything more. But I want to encourage you to press on by looking back. You know, you may be in a place today where you are in, a, in pain. You are in loss. You are in grief. Perhaps you're in doubt. But I want to encourage you to press on by looking back. Look back at what God has done in your life and the life of those around you. I want you to just think a moment. It's interesting. Dave talked about the Israelites going into the promised land. Talk briefly about the Israelites. Many times in the, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, it talks a lot about recounting the Exodus and the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Now they, very similarly, were like Paul. They had these three stages of life, where they were. So where they were, where they were that day, they were on the border of the wilderness and the promised land. They were coming out of the wilderness and they're about to step into the promised land. They weren't there there yet. That's where they were. They were on the border of the wilderness and the promised land. And then there's where they want to be. They wanted to be in the promised land. They knew it was coming. They wanted to be in the promised land, but they weren't there yet. But they thank God that they weren't where they were. They weren't slaves in Egypt. Things had changed. God had brought them so far. Now they had their own fears. They had their own doubts, their own painful memories, anxiety, and experiences. They didn't know what was to come. Even some of the tribes settled. The tribes of Reuben and Gad and Manasseh said, you know what? It looks great here, thank you. But we don't even want to go into the promised land. We don't even want to go in. It looks great here. They settled for what they had. But God had more for the nation of Israel. And I wonder today, are you settling or are you going to take more? Are you going to take more from God because he has more from you? So these tribes settled. They were on the precipice of the promised land. Some of them were unsure. Some of them even wanted to stay where they were. But God, but God, two, I think, two of the most powerful words in the Bible, but God. They were embarking on this new journey. But God tells Moses to encourage them to remember what God has done. They're only where they are for the grace and mercy and might and love of God. You know, in Hebrews 13, it says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday 
today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God that was in your yesterday, the God that is in your today, is waiting for you in tomorrow. Whatever 2023 brings, God is already there, and he's waiting for you. How soon are you going to go to him? How soon are you going to take hold of what he has for you? Are you going to coast into 2023 just settling for what you already know is good? See, it's not about what God, sorry, what God has done serves as a template for what is to come. You look back at the goodness of God in your past, and it'll be exactly the same as the goodness of God in your future. So there is nothing to fear. Whatever you have been through, God has been there. Whatever you've done, God has been there. And whatever you will do, God will be there. There is nothing to fear. It's not about what I have done or what you have done and what that means, but it's about what God has done and what that means what God has done in our lives. Now, I read this story last night, and the timing was terrible because I read it at the same time as the fireworks. But someone sent me this story, and it was great. It was about impalas from Africa. They're of the antelope family, and they, they roam the Serengeti. They roam the safaris. But they can leap 10 feet in the air and 30 feet long in one bound. It's quite hard to comprehend that, isn't it? You think for a moment, 10 feet high and 30 feet forward. These animals can jump that far in one go. It's part of their survival mechanism. But if you go to zoos and if you go to other animal sanctuaries, you will find these impalas in um, enclosures with a fence around them that's only three feet high. And you've got to ask yourself, why are they still there? Because they could leap it in, in one bound. It would be nothing to them. But they're still there. The reason is impalas will not take that leap if they cannot see what's in front of them. They won't take a leap unless they can see where it is they're going to land. And if we're honest, are we not the same? Because we can't see what's coming, we're not sure we really want to go there. Because we're not sure how it's going to pan out, we're not going to go down that road. Because we're not sure how it's going to work out, I'm not sure if I really want to trust God and make that leap. I want to ask you today to look back so that you can see forwards. You see... It's the same God on the outside of the fence for the impala as it is on the inside. For us, it's the same God on the mountaintop as it is in the valley. He is the same God throughout all time. I want you to think about what God has done this afternoon in your lives and what that means for the future. What is he asking of you this afternoon? Will you take a leap of faith this afternoon? Now, I'm going I'm to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going we're gonna to play a song of response, sing a song of response. But I want to pray for all of us. Will you just stand together? I'm going to pray for you. And if, if you want more, in fact, you guys can get down there if you want to. Thank you very much. If you can leave those there, that's fine. I want you to think about what's coming for you in 2023. Some of you will know what it is. Some of you won't have a clue what's coming. But what I can promise you today is that God is already there. God's outside of time. God isn't bound by time. The same God that was in your yesterday, the same God that saved you, the same God that died for you, the same God that cares for you, looks on you right now as you're stood in this church, is waiting for you tomorrow. So are you going to grab hold of what he took hold of you for? Are you going to think in your heart, God, I'm in. (laughs) Whatever 2023 brings, I know that you're with me. I know that you're waiting for me. So I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to worry. And whatever ministry it is you've called me to, 
whatever task it is you've called me to, whatever it is you've called me to lay down, whatever it is you've called me to pick up. Perhaps it's a new job that's waiting for you. Perhaps it's a new relationship that's waiting for you. Perhaps it's a big move that's on the cards and you're worried about it. I want you to commit it to God today knowing that he is already waiting for you and he knows how it pans out. But are you going to trust him? Are you going to trust God in 2023? Are you going to look back and think, "Mm, yeah, but look what happened. Or are you going to think, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. And that's because of God. God has brought me this far and he will take me to the end. So I'm asking you to take a leap of faith this afternoon. And I think if we're honest, we all know. We all know there's something in our hearts that God has placed in us. There's a, there's a, a pulling, there's a draw to the next thing. I want to ask you to take a step of faith this afternoon. So put your hand on your heart as I pray and, and just commit whatever it is that's on your heart to God. Lord, I pray for us all here in this room, in your church, and everybody looking in online. Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts with faith for what is to come. Lord, we don't know what's going to come tomorrow or even if we will get there, but you do. You do know what awaits us tomorrow and perhaps the day after that and perhaps the year after that because you are already there. Lord, I pray that we would have the faith to trust you for what is to come. Whatever it is that you've called us to, whatever it is that you have taken hold of us for, We know it's to be like you. We know it's to be like Christ, to partake in your sufferings, to spread the gospel, to live a life of faith. But Lord, I pray now for people that have specific things on their heart. Perhaps it's a new job. Perhaps it's a new relationship. Perhaps it's a move away. It could be university. It it could be a new job. Whatever it is. And perhaps there's people here, Lord, with that are suffering right now. They are missing people. They are grieving people and they don't know what this coming year is going to be like. There are people that are in pain, that are suffering today and they don't know what next year brings. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with faith, that we know that we face tomorrow with you. Not without you, but we face tomorrow with you. Just like we faced every day since our salvation till now with you. Every day that is to come will be with you. So Lord, I pray that you will fill us with faith. Would you raise us up today? Fill us with faith. Would we look forward and backwards with glasses of faith and not with glasses of unbelief? Lord, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are for us. Bless your name. Amen.